You're listening to the Elevate Your Brand podcast, where we talk to some of the smartest entrepreneurs and fastest growing brands on the market today. I'm your host, Laurel Mintz, a reformed corporate M&A attorney who founded award-winning LA-based marketing agency, Elevate My Brand. We've elevated some of the world's biggest brands from Facebook, Paw Patrol, and Verizon to innovative startups you haven't even heard of yet. Are you ready to elevate your brand? Keep listening. Hi, guys, and welcome back to another episode of Elevate Your Brand. I, of course, am your host, Laurel Mintz, and I am excited to be joined today by Sashi Chandran, founder and CEO of T-Drops. Sashi, thank you for being with us today. Thanks so much for having me, Laurel. Appreciate it. I mean, you and I have known each other for years and years and years. I can't believe it took us this long to get you on the podcast. My bad. (laughs) Well, it's hard because it's like the journey, you know, sometimes it feels so fast, so it's so time just kind of escapes us at times. It really does, especially right now. Um, But, you know, you and I have been in touch and have certainly seen this meteoric rise that you have had in this industry. It's just been so, so exciting to watch. And I'm I'm thrilled to share this story with our audience. So why don't we start with just a little bit about your origin story and the story of the brand? Sure. So um, my story for T-Drops really starts even before I started the company and really centers around my love for tea and the ritual of tea. And that goes back to my parents. So both my parents are immigrants to the U.S. My mom is from China and my dad's from Sri Lanka. Um, My dad was actually born on a tea estate in Sri Lanka. And those two countries were some of the largest producers of tea in the world at one time. So with that, (laughs) that combination coming together, I had a very rich tea culture growing up and one that was centered around cups of tea, but also tea being this vehicle to hold conversations with your loved ones, your family members, um, your relatives at parties. And so that's what tea came to represent for me is, is just very much a, you know, a family centric or community centric ritual. Mm. And as I grew up and I started working in a more formal office environment, um, I realized that that process to prepare loose leaf tea, which is you know very traditional in Asian cultures, of uh, boiling the water, steeping the tea leaves, straining it, that process in it on its own can take anywhere from five to seven minutes to to perform. And by the time you make it, you you, know, you have to run to your next meeting. You don't really have the time or bandwidth to enjoy the cup of tea. And mm. and I was never really satisfied with tea bags because I just found that they're usually made with what's called tea dust. It's the last part of tea harvesting and production. So they're never as aromatic or as flavorful. Um, and so that was kind of my own personal frustration is I couldn't find a convenient way to make a high quality cup of tea. And that sent me on a journey of just experimenting with different tea blends and spices and in my apartment kitchen at the time. And one thing led to another. And I eventually developed this notion of a tea drop, which is a bagless tea that's combined together with spices um, and a lightly sweetened with organic cane sugar that's compressed together in a fun, whimsical shape, like a heart star flower. So So fun. (laughs) So what was the moment along that journey where you were like, I'm going to do this full-time as a business? Well, I think I had a lot of fear around, um, you know, initially jumping ship or I just didn't know 
you know, obviously no one knows what, what entrepreneurship really involves. And so at the time, I think, I think my, my breaking point was just the sheer fact I didn't have enough time to tend to both things. So I was working a pretty fast paced corporate job. I was working at eBay at the time and kind of rising the ranks of that corporate career. And, um, that was getting more and more, um, involved and, and taxing. And at mm-hmm. the same time, I had this really cool um, outlet. You know, it was a creative outlet for me, but it was starting to gain traction. I was selling at farmers markets and artisan shows at the time, um, and really just loving that process of creating something and and bringing it to market and seeing what people thought and incorporating their feedback. And it kind of was um, like I, I guess you could call it the entrepreneurial bug. And I and I caught it, and I was just like, it's really hard for me to walk away from this. So I think. The breaking point was just realizing, um, you know, I, I felt like I had my one foot in one boat and another foot in another boat, and both were going different directions. And I, had to, <laughs> and I like, just had to make a call, you know, I had to yeah. make that decision. And so at the time, I was deciding to do an MBA, um, to get an MBA. And I had actually took in my GMAT, I'd gotten into um, a university and I was going to go. And then I just kind of thought about it and I was like, well, for the same amount of money I would invest in that, um, you know, do I want to actually start a business and, um, and go that route instead? And I think I would learn a lot of the, the same principles huh. for an MBA. <laughs> so like a cost benefit analysis. And that's so smart. Yeah. I mean, you're, obviously, you know, I have the utmost respect for you and what you've built, but yeah. even in that in that very nascent moment, you were like, hmm, I can take this, uh, you know, five to six figures and invest it in myself in a different way. That's so unique. Yeah. So that's kind of what I did. I used whatever I would have saved, um, what I had in savings for my MBA and just put it towards the business um, as, as, you know, I guess, effectively bootstrapping, bootstrapping it. (laughs) That's how all good businesses start. And to your point earlier, it's so hard. And there's always this kind of uh, this, this, point at which you have to fully invest your time, efforts, and energy into the business. It's really hard, as you were pointing out, to straddle yeah. two at the same time. We get that all the time at the agency. We get you know someone who comes to us with a really great idea, and until they're fully committed, the growth trajectory is pretty you know, level. And you only get those spikes, the, the, the hockey stick growth that most brands are looking for when you fully commit to building a brand. It's really true. I mean, it was hard to come to that conclusion, but um, also for your own peace of mind, you know, it's it's very challenging to be um, serving two masters in a sense, you know. Mm, totally. Yeah. And so you made this decision to um, to postpone your education and focus your efforts on tea drops. Um, did the name? Did you have the name at that point? Talk us through a little bit about your the marketing of the brand because it's so brilliant as well. Thank you. Um, yeah, you know, actually, I think this was a conversation I was having with my brother at the time. My brother was a UX designer for Google. Um, and so he was actually the very first person I went to um, to talk to about the idea, but then also come up with like the first initial branding because um, mm-hmm. I didn't have you know any money to really pay an outsourced agency or anything else. So so I, I think I was just brainstorming. You're trying to describe the idea. And I was like, well, it's it's tea, but it's in a drop. And I think he's the one who said, oh, it's okay. So when you're, when you're talking about these tea drops and he had said the word kind of in passing, but it was something that really stuck. So, hmm. um, it's so just simple. Yeah. So simple. I'm like, yeah, that describes exactly what it is kind of perfectly. It's a tea, but it's a drop. Brilliant. And, um, 
the the development of the compression of the the tea and putting mm-hmm. it into these forms talk us through that process was it uh did you instantly hit on the right formulas was it super iterative i would love to hear the development mm-hmm. of the actual physical product it was very iterative and um i kind of kept this journal and that's why it took a year and a half or so to develop you know i was working on this on my weeknights and on my weekends of just experimenting with just the properties of tea and really understanding it um, from just, you know, just the properties of tea, but also spices, how they intertwined. And um, so first it was just almost powder, like a powder form. And then one day, just this idea of a bath bomb kind of came into my mind of like, hmm. you know, with bath bomb, it kind of dissolves. Can we do the same thing with tea? And so that's what got me on a track of trying to put it into a shape. Um, I had a friend come and visit a few times and she was really good at, at kind of being very scientific about it and applying the scientific method of each experiment I would do and tweaking it. And um, so one day, you know, it, I was I was experimenting, mostly doing this in my home kitchen. Um, and I, I invested a little bit in buying different types of molds and um, pressure compression equipment and just experimenting. And, um, you know, I just thought that this was something kind of more homegrown I was doing at home. But I was also visiting a small business resource center called SCORE. Mm -hmm. There there was a retired uh, patent attorney who was kind of, you know, in his free time, he was mentoring there. And somehow I got connected with him and was telling him my idea, I was showing him my prototypes because I was there actually for some other, they're trying to get financing and just learning the ropes of getting financing for your business. And he, you know, heard me describe it. He saw the product. He's like, you know, I actually think some there's something here that you could protect. Like you could actually, have you ever thought about obtaining, um, you know, IP around this idea? And it hadn't even crossed my mind. But um, he said, look, like, I actually do think that there's something protectable here. Um, it's going to cost you, you know, probably ten to fifteen thousand to to pursue this um, with an attorney. But but perhaps if you write your own uh, utility patent or provisional patent, rather, that's the first step of getting a patent. Um, mm-hmm. And I review it. I'm happy to review it for you, and then you can submit it on your own. And so that's actually what I did over the next few weeks. Um, once I had the formula more or less in place in the process, I spent a couple weeks just on the USPTO website, looking at other patents and writing my own um, and through with his guidance, submitted it myself. Wow. I mean, that's incredible. Nothing you can't do, Sashi, honestly. You (laughs) wrote your own freaking patent. That's impressive. I think, I mean, it was, it's, it's still patent pending. There's so much that actually goes through with the USPTO. As I soon learned, but I mean, I think, I think that was, um, you know, a, a turning point of realizing you can actually, you know, you can, you can, if you, yes, if you put your mind to something, you can make it happen, even if you don't have all the pieces in place. And, um, totally. you know, as you know, as of what entrepreneurship is, is just never having the pieces in place, always right. trying to, have to like make certain connections or find the right people or figure things out on your own. Um, so I think that whole process gave me a little bit more confidence, you know, like, okay, you can actually piecemeal this together. I can figure this out. Um, yep. And so that was a very defining moment. We call it, we say, figure it out, get it done. F-I-O-G-I-D. And that's exactly what entrepreneurs do. <laughs> uh, we're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, I want to chat a bit about some of the lessons you learned uh, in those early days. So stay tuned. 
Who says you've got to be big to get things done? We know that size matters in some things, but in other things like marketing, a small and scrappy team like Elevate My Brand can really take your brand to the next level. Our job is to create visibility so you can create profitability. Give us a call today and let's schmooze. Hi guys, thanks for sticking with us. And if you're just tuning in, I am chatting with my friend Sashi, who is the founder and CEO of T-Drops. Before the break, we were talking a bit about uh, the experimental process and how you developed the brand. What were some of the lessons that if uh, some entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs listening in today um, could take and learn from? What were some of the biggest lessons you you had in those early days? Well, I think it's nothing revolutionary. I think it's it's <laughs> no, but really it was um, um, a series of adversities and hardships and 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 obviously you just don't you're you're so green to the whole um area of entrepreneurship but also i was so green to just cpg and um creating a a universe for sure universe and i think what was what is refreshing and i even think of this now is that you don't have to know all the things you don't have to be an expert in that that domain, it really is a matter of persistence that pays off in the end of just, um, you know, trying to figure things out, trying to meet the right people, um, trying to just get knowledgeable about something. That's all we have. We have access to that. Um, and there's really no limitation to to persistence. You can just keep going, keep going. So I think totally one thing that I really that was really um, a great takeaway. I think the second thing is, you know, something I missed out early on was really having a community. Um, because I didn't come mm-hmm. from that world, I didn't come from um, an entrepreneurship world. It, you know, mine was mostly marketing and tech. Um, I didn't have a community to really talk to about things. So much of this, I was just doing in isolation on my own. Um, you know, moving to LA and meeting um, the expanded community. You know, that includes you and just other other female entrepreneurs and other people doing similar things. Just opened my eyes. Um, both professionally and personally, you know, what's possible. You see other models for how other people are, you know, raising a family while still being an entrepreneur or doing or even like decisions they're making for their business. Um, you know, you can really tap into that. And so that was a big pivotal moment for me too. Um, so the two lessons are perseverance, which I love. I mean, ultimately, you have to just keep putting one foot in front of the other because the world, the universe is going to beat you down as many times as it can. Yeah. And you just have to keep showing up. They, they always say like, what, you know, success is 80% of success is just showing up, right? Right. So true. And then the community piece, I could not agree with you more. And, and in addition, did you do, you did some accelerator programs and you did a ton of pitch competitions. Can you speak to that stuff as well? I think yeah. that's super valuable for our audience. Yeah. So I think to the point where I was telling, you know, mentor early on, I'm like, you know, I feel like I'm lacking. Um, I, I just am not increasing my level of skill set or knowledge because I just don't have anyone else to talk to about this. And that's when he recommended, um, I didn't even know what an accelerator was, but he introduced me to an accelerator based in New York. And they basically took on early stage consumer packaged good food uh, or food CPG um, companies and gave them resources, but also like a mentorship program um, in exchange for a small piece of equity. And so Mm -hmm. I was really nervous to do this. I didn't really know what that that meant I had to kind of talk to a lot of people and explore that idea for myself but at the end of the day I really needed to be 
um, with a, a community and I needed to learn more. I just needed to like increase my own skill set and knowledge of this industry. So I decided to do that, which was um, um, a great decision, you know, for me to kind of just get this crash course in um, all things uh, CPG, all things food industry, um, and meet a community that I still uh, refer to even today of other entrepreneurs um, to help along the way. So it is pretty, a pretty small world, like the female founder community, the CPG community. It's, yeah. it's so funny how you can go from zero to 60. And like now I'm sure, and I mean, you and I run into each other at events all the time, the, the universe becomes smaller and smaller, the higher up the food chain you go, you know? Definitely. Yeah. And so <laughs> it was, you know, it's hard when you're early on, because you're taking this all in, you're meeting so many people. But um, that was that was one side of it is is just that community aspect and you know increasing your skill set and knowledge through that community and then the other thing was you know when i decided to um or i didn't even decide to raise capital i kind of was like oh we need to figure out how to finance the business if i'm going to keep growing um <laughs> forced into you know, it <laughs> forced into it you're forced into learning yeah. what the different finance uh, you know financial instruments are you're you're forced into you know first meeting with banks and realizing you're so early stage no one's going to even take a meeting with you or you know it's just so it's, mm -hmm. there's so many complications there and so um on that same note of trying to find a community when i moved to la i was actually googling on uh, not Googling, I was, I was on Facebook and looking at other female founder communities. And I came across a woman founders network. Um, and I decided to go to one of their sessions. And in that first session, um, there was discussion, I think it was like, actually, April 2017 was the first um, session. I think that's where we met as well, right? Probably. Yeah. No, maybe earlier than uh, that. Maybe I feel like you and I have known each other for more for more than three years or four years now. Anyways. Well, that would be around anyway. So around 2017, because um, I know you were very involved with Women Founders Network, they they announced on that day the the pitch competition, um, and okay. I had never even like really thought of a pitch. I mean, I knew what a pitch competition was, but I I didn't really understand what it entailed or or how it worked. So when they said you know applications are open now, I just kind of went on the site and looked at the criteria and looked at like what does this mean. Um, and it looked like I actually, uh, you know, a lot of the criteria applied to me. Um, and, you know, I, I applied, I put a business plan together, I put together like a very um, skeleton deck. And, you know, we ended up getting into the top 30. And then we were part of the top 10 that ended up pitching that year. I remember your pitch was so great. I was like, this girl is going places. <laughs> so, so we ended up pitching and winning that first prize, which was, I think, twenty dollars or $25,000. It was a significant amount, you know, to me. Um, and I think what I realized from that experience, I mean, obviously, we also got a lot of in-kind services, including, you know, an amazing session with um, Elevate My Brand. And I know that you're a big supporter of Women Founders Network. Um, but also, I just kind of realized that for someone who doesn't have a network, you know, we're not just, I'm not born with relationships with angel investors or VCs, that these competitions can be such a great way to just get exposure for your business, and also put together a business plan or a presentation. So you have to think about the intricacies of your business. And, um, and you realize, you know, there's going to be a panel of judges asking you questions. So you really want to be prepared for that. Um, yeah. And and also part of being part of the top 10 was getting um, assigned a, a pitch coach. And um, I don't know if you know Lisa Elia, but she was assigned as my pitch coach. Yes, fabulous. And she is just phenomenal. Like, 
completely changed um, the way I, I thought about pitching, the way I thought about presenting. Um, she like really honed in and was brutally honest about my pitch deck. And um, that was instrumental for, for, for me to... What were, what were some of the tips she gave you? Like what, what was the biggest lesson from her? Was it about cadence? Was it about... Uh, you know, the deck itself would love to hear real feedback. Yeah, that I mean, the first exercise she took me through was just looking at my deck um, and looking at, uh, I, I had my deck and I also kind of wrote out notes of, of things that I wanted to include in my pitch. And she was just brutally honest. She would just scratch things out and, and in a nice way, but say like, is this essential to your story and your message? You know, you only have five minutes to pitch. You have to mm -hmm. everything in five minutes. She just went through each point. Is this essential? Is this essential? Um, and and that really, you know, got helped me get clear. Like a lot of things I had included before. I'm like, yeah, you're right. Like, why, you know, why am I wasting time talking about that? That's not essential to um, to the mission of the business, but also the traction we've had. Um, so that was the first exercise. And the second thing was all about cadence. She um, and presentation. And she had three or four sessions with me. These were hour and a half long. She would videotape me the entire time, which was like. Oh, wow. Very painful. So nerve-wracking. Very painful. <laughs> yeah. But in hindsight, yeah. you then see like, oh, wow, like I have that nervous tick or, um, you know, your your. I say I'm um, 83 times or whatever. Um, yeah. And so, and, but, you know, she did it in a very constructive way where, where I was each time I was eliminating a lot of those. And then finally, um, less, less is more in terms of your wording. I think we and I, I'm, I'm guilty of this. I'm such a filler. Like I can fill, mm -hmm. you know, conversations, but I think her whole thing was no, just, just distill it to the essence of what you're trying to say. Um, that allows room and space. Like you want to have certain, um, you know, spacing when you're talking, mm -hmm. you know, you don't want to just have this be, um, a run on sentence. Yes, exactly. <laughs> she worked, she worked with me on, on that too. I love it. I love it. We're going to take another quick break. And then I want to talk more about the investment process because I think a lot of entrepreneurs listening in are still interested in that. So give us a quick sec and we'll be right back. Hey, it's me again, Laurel Mintz, host of Elevate Your Brand podcast and the CEO of Elevate My Brand. In these wild times, social media is really having its moment. According to the Harris Poll, upwards of 51% of U.S. adults are using social media now more than ever. In other words, your brand better step up its social media game ASAP. Good thing we're pros at social media marketing here at EMB. If you're ready to elevate your brand, slide into our DMs or give us a call after this episode. All right, chatting with Sashi's founder and CEO of T-Drops. Before the break, we talked about the pitch process and how you were learning to work on cadence. And the point I think that you were making is that there is so much power in the space between yeah. the words, right? Yeah. And in the choice of those words. Um, I don't know... I don't know if you've ever heard this, but like someone who's who's a soft talker and who's slow who slows down their cadence actually physically makes you lean in to pay attention to what they're saying. And there is so, so much power in that. Sounds like that was a really important lesson for you. Yeah, that was huge. And that's you know, these these gaps of silence are are actually work in your favor, you know, and are needed mm -hmm. for, for for people to regroup and recenter their attention. And then you went on post that experience to win was it was it Cartier or, or Tory Burch? We won a couple. Yeah. So Tory Burch Foundation um, also had a national pitch competition. We ended up winning first place of $100,000. And then wow. um, PepsiCo 
Frito-Lay had a competition last year and we ended up winning the $50,000 first place. Unbelievable. Yeah. And, um, and then you, uh, you're working with Halogen Ventures um, and actually just as a personal aside, um, we just invested in their most recent fund, which I'm super excited about because her whole premise is about investing in women. And her, I think her quote is like, if you want to make billions, invest in women. Um, so can you speak a little bit to how it was to fundraise in a more formal capacity and then your experience about being a female in the fundraising process? Yeah, I, I think no matter who you are, whether you're male, female, or, you know, an alien, it's, it's just hard. This fundraising <laughs> is one of, you know, the most challenging aspects, I think, of running a business. Um, because, you know, you can have an amazing idea, you can have all of these things in place, but it's a different skill set to actually raise capital. And uh, that's why I really, you know, uh, speak a lot about pitch competitions and some of these other opportunities because they're great ways for you to get exposure to um, to a network of individuals to help support your journey. And when I say that, I mean, after Women Founders Network, you know, including you, there were so many amazing women who came up afterward and said, how can we support you um, as you grow, whether that's capital, whether that's, hey, I have this skill set, um, or hey, you should be introduced to this person. Um, it's it's pretty amazing how powerful that can be. And that continued yep. on for me with Women Founders Network, um, the Tory Birch Foundation panel. Um, and that's actually how I got a few of our institutional investors is through those panels. Um, and actually, that's how I met Halogen was through Women Founders Network. So mm -hmm. it really is a testament to that working um, and just giving you the exposure to open the open the gates for you to even have a conversation with some of these more institutional investors. So for me personally, I've I think when we raised our first set of funds, I probably pitched you know over eighty times, um, wow, eighty to ninety times, and got a lot of rejection. I think that's I think you know the more mindset now I have is not like oh that was so hard and you know wow, I had to pitch 90 times. I think now that's kind of like the expected average. Um, sure. <laughs> but if you, you know, if you, if you're planning to raise, kind of have that number in mind, it's going to take you at least 90 meetings, maybe more um, to, to, to raise that first, that, you know, that first round. Yeah. Yeah. It's not easy, but it's also, again, this whole process is extremely educational because every single pitch you're going to have different questions posed and then you're going to have to be really thoughtful about how you respond to those. And every single question and every response just prepares you all that more for the next conversation and for you to show up as ready as possible to close that deal. Yeah. And that's what I would say, you know, those 90, it's not that, um, it takes you 90. It's that I, there's a lot of warm ups that have to happen, you know, yeah, sure. <laughs> like 10 or 15 meetings are warm up to really realize like, well, is there merit in what they're saying? Like, should I revise this and let me revisit this? Let me rework this. So it's very true that so much, so much of this is educational too. And you're learning um, as an entrepreneur, as a CEO, how to pitch your own business, you know? So um, they're not wasted meetings because I think you, you glean a lot from each experience, but it does take time. Yeah. But I think your point also, which is so important and valuable is not every question or, or um, update to the deck is actually the right approach because you're going to get every everyone has a different opinion and sometimes those opinions are totally valid but sometimes there's not they're not and I think that that's a really important point that you just made like is that 
question or is that requested update actually going to be valuable for my business or is this just more smoke blowing, you know? Exactly. And I think that's where your own intuition comes in, Mm -hmm. um, which is a hard thing to always develop. But I think if there's a practice, you know, you were gonna, um, you were asking about like the three things I learned. And I, I would say the third thing from that part of the conversation is, is just finding like a sense of centeredness, um, in yourself and what you know to be true about your business and about you as a person. And everyone has a different purpose for that, whether that's meditation, whether that's being out in nature, whether that's kind of being with your family. But for me, I think that was, that's a very important practice I have because it helps kind of, um, um, differentiate the, the, the various noise that comes when, when people are criticizing your business or, you know, have certain constructive feedback for it. It's like, you, then you can zone in and be like, is this true? Does this need to be considered? Um, and sometimes the answer is yes. And sometimes, you know, intuitively, you know, like that's actually not the direction we should be going. Yeah. They're not a good fit for us. Yeah. They don't understand our business model or, or what have you. Right. I love that approach, Sashi. And I think it's been so amazing to watch you evolve from early days because you're, would you say you're an introvert by nature? Definitely. Yes. <laughs> I didn't want to, you know, tag you with that until you, uh, you know, proved it. But to, to watch you evolve from being, you know, a little bit, um, you know, tentative and hesitant to really perfecting your pitch and then going out and crushing all these pitch competitions and really evolving into this amazing self-assured businesswoman has just been a, a, a beautiful process to watch. And to your point, just um, before uh, my comment, it's about finding your own center, your own mm-hmm. true north. And it's just, it's, I've been watching you do that since I first met you. And it's just been an honor to watch that journey. Oh, thank you, Laura. That means a lot. I truly appreciate it. So we have a few minutes left. I want to make sure we cover two things. One, I have to ask the question, with your parents being so old school with the tea world, did they think that this was sacrilege or were they excited about the idea of entering into a new world of tea? Um, I, I think they were really excited, actually, about the innovation being brought to to the world of tea through tea drops. I mean, they. I, I think. I think they're more surprised that this actually evolved into like a business. <laughs> I think <laughs> they're just like, what, really? You know. I think, but I mean, they're really proud in a sense. But they, I think, also are surprised at at how much momentum it, it gained over time. And then the other thing I want you to talk about, or actually two other things. One, um, obviously how we can get in touch with you and how people can buy this amazing product because you're on so many different platforms. And then we speak to the green nature of what it is, like how not having tea bags and um, all of that recyclable um, information is so valuable as well. Yeah. So with tea drops, um, you know, you eliminate the tea bag and, and um, the external tea packaging. So we shed about 15 to 20% um, less waste than traditional tea bags. And, um, you know, all we're moving towards a completely compostable tea experience. So currently the cylinders that the tea drops come in is compostable. Um, and the, the sleeves of the tea drops are hundred percent recyclable. And so we're always kind of evolving in that regard and moving towards a compostable experience. I mean, the goal is by end of 2021 for all packaging, um, to be hundred percent compostable. I love it. Yes. I wanted to make sure we pointed that out because I think it's one of your, I mean, aside from the product being so brilliant and delicious, yes. uh, one of your really important value propositions, which differentiates you from what's currently in the market. Absolutely. And then how can people find you? Yeah. So we are um, pretty active on social with the tea drops handle. It's at my tea drop um, on all across that's Facebook, Instagram, 
TikTok, um, <laughs> any any channel where my tea drop, and then me personally, um, I'm probably most active. Although I'm not like super active on Instagram, but I always respond to all DMs. So that my, mine is at Sashi Chandran. And if you want to find them, uh, myteadrop.com. I believe you're also on Uncommon Goods and Amazon and a million other channels, right? A lot of um, brick and mortar, but I would say the the, uh, fastest way is myteadrop.com. Perfect. Uh, And then finally, I know you have some really fun uh, new products coming out in March. Can you speak to that as we wrap up? Yes. So there's been a lot of um, questions and asks and requests around unsweetened tea drops. And so we've been working on a formulation for the past year and a half. It's really taken us that long to kind of perfect it. But we are launching our unsweetened line of tea drops in March. Um, We have three SKUs we're, we're starting with. So we're very excited for that. Um, and that will actually also launch in Costco come March too. So we'll be in all uh, wow. your locations in Costco. You know, you've made it when you hit the Costco <laughs> shelves. <laughs> I guess so. I'm like really panicked about it, but I think it'll be good. Well, Sashi, if, uh, if our history has taught us anything, it is that you will overcome and persevere no matter what obstacles are put in front of you. And I think you've given our audience a lot to think about. So thank you so, so much for being on the show today. Thank you for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. And thanks to everyone for tuning in. Stay tuned for more Elevate Your Brand coming up next.